Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. Talking about Christian anarchism on the show is one thing. Meeting someone out in the wild who subscribes to Christian anarchy is another thing. Meeting that person while training jujitsu is a whole other thing. And all of that wrapped up into one conversation is very exciting for me. Today, Tyler Rose is on the show, and we're going to talk about all of these things. Let's go. Yeah. Left, right, left, right, left. We got our right. marching orders, man. Left, right, left, right. We'd rather left, serve God than right, serve Caesar, you know me? Right, I'm yeah. just trying to live what he said. I'm just trying to live what he said. I ain't scared. Tyler, how you doing, my friend? Doing pretty good, man. How about you? Doing, doing great. I've been looking forward to this conversation. I love talking to people about jujitsu. I'm very bad at it, but I like to pick people's brain about it. People have been doing it longer than me, especially like you. You're one of the coaches at the at the Memphis Judo and Jiu-Jitsu gym that I train at. And we got into this conversation while stretching one day and I had one of my bad Roman t-shirts on and you said, what is that? And I, I started explaining it to you. And right. Then we started talking about it and then we started training. I was, I was like, I want to talk to this guy more about it, get him on the show and, and, and talk to him about Christian Anarchy and how he got to that point and what got him involved with jujitsu as well. But before we do all that, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, just whatever you want folks to know about you and then we'll get into the conversation. Well, uh, my name is Tyler Rhodes. Grew up at a Pentecostal church. Uh, still go to a Pentecostal church today. I think I was like 15 when I started getting into politics, maybe 14. I got into uh, watching Glenn Beck on Fox News. <laughs> and, and he was like, dude, he was like my my hero for a while, man. Uh, I really love his stuff. And all, all this stuff about like the the founders and stuff, I really related to that and the revolutionary war was something that i really adhered to and uh there was there's a thing called the three percenters i don't know if you're familiar with that but um a little bit it's it's basically a uh i mean people people hijack the name and take it for something else uh sort of how you know republican today is a full-on liberal but essentially a three percenter is somebody who would take up arms against the British forces. And I just really love the Revolutionary War and really love the rebellion because I saw it as I saw it as providence. I saw it as a God inspired rebellion. And uh that kind of led me down the path of libertarianism that Glenn Beck originally started me on. And then eventually I learned that even libertarianism has its limits because any any government that exists will eventually become tyrannical. So the only answer is no government. Right. And then, you know, I, I did the same, you know, I've moved into the, the third party circles You know, I was going to vote libertarian in 2016. I don't know if I've told you this part about me, but I wasn't voting for Donald Trump. I, I kind of woke me up to what there's something bad going on here. And then the, when the libertarians were putting up Gary Johnson, I'm like, I'm not voting for this guy either. So I, I went like extreme third yeah. party, voted Daryl Castle in the Constitution Party, because at the time I was studying the United States Constitution and and he was the only candidate on the ballot that was actually talking about the Constitution. None of these other clowns were. None of them were. They don't care about that that supposed oath that they take. You know, they, they don't care about it. But and I'm not saying he would either. But he was actually speaking to it. But after that, that was the last time I ever voted. And you're right. Um, any even I think if we look at the, talk about the founders, and I've talked to some folks about this in the past. You know, our understanding of libertarianism. If you think about the founders, they were probably libertarians, right? So what they started has now turned into Joe Biden. <laughs> so I think you're right. Is It's best to not have a government because yeah. it's not getting any better. I, I, the government itself is not getting any better. I, I think that, and as Christians, you know, doing doing some study on, on the early church and stuff, I, I can't, there's no way I could involve myself with it. And, I, and that's just where I stand on it. Just for, for me, myself, I, I can't put myself into that position, reading stuff about from Jesus and then the early church writings and stuff. I can't, the government itself is tyrannical. You're, 
Jesus said, it will not be so among you. You don't do that. You don't lord over one another. And that's what people are doing when you're putting people in power over each other. I don't think people take that and take that to heart the way they should. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask you what, what verse you was just quoting. Uh, I can't remember. It's uh, Jesus said, you see how the Gentiles lord over one another. It will not be so among you. I, I'd have to, I don't know exactly what verse it is or where it's at, but if you just type in that, that scripture, you'll find, you'll find it where it's at in the Bible. And it's not just that. I mean, you, you read what Jesus would talk about on the Sermon on the Mount when he was talking on the, when on the Sermon on the Mount, just the stuff he was saying and what happens when you put people in power. To me, it's an outsource of sin because you're, these folks end up stealing from everybody. They're stealing our money out of our paychecks and they're using this money that they've stolen to go murder people across the world. Right. You know, I just don't know how a Christian, if they thought about it seriously, how they could in, entangle themselves with something so evil. Yeah. Cause it's evil, you know, and, and I've talked about this on the show too, back in, you know, Paul, when he was talking about in Romans 13, when he says governing authorities, he's there, what, what they understood that to mean at that time, they understood that to mean demons. So if Christians understand that, why do you want to be a part of it? Jesus told Satan, no, I'm not, I have no interest in your, the kingdoms of this world. Well, if it's good enough for Jesus, it should be for every Christian as well. But unfortunately, it's not. The vast majority of Christians still believe that they can fix the government, whether libertarian, Republican, Democrat, or whatever. I mean, it's, and it's just not happening. It's time to walk away. It's time to walk away from this garbage. It's, it's, it's become too powerful to reel it back in. Yeah, and every empire eventually falls. Right. I don't know if you if you're familiar with the term collapsitarian, but I fall neatly into that camp now because I it's going to happen. And I I don't I we were doing a Zoom call yes last night, you know, some folks from the discussion group, and I said I I'm pretty sure I might see it in my lifetime. I think it's imminent. Maybe not. I don't know, but it's going to happen at some point. And when it does, it's going to be a little chaotic. But at the same time, you see when people. Like when there's a disaster, all these tornadoes we've had in this area, you know, in the area recently, people come together and help one another. And to think that you need a government to help other people is just foolish to me. Right. Yeah. One of my one of my friends from church, he was uh, telling a story. He lives up there where the tornadoes had come through and jumped right over his house. And uh, he said, as soon as the tornadoes ripped through, he went outside and there was trees in the in the street and. He got on his tractor and went out to start um, moving the trees out of the road. And before he could give it, even get out there, there was other men with tractors clearing the stuff out of the road. And to me, that was just such a sign of like self-reliance, and which is probably my, my biggest reasoning for being an anarchist and is the ability to rely on yourself. If you don't, if you, if you rely on other people, which I'm not saying, you know, you don't need help every now and then, or you don't, you know, that's what friends are for, but you need a, you don't need a, a sovereign government to dictate and help you out with things that you could do yourself or your friends could do if you just, you know, showed some effort. But the, the, the nanny state thing is, uh, you know, kind of the opposite of my, everything that's in me, you know, like the. Self-reliance is an important thing to me. Well, sure. And, you know, and, and there's and there's folks out there that can't help themselves. And, and that's where the church should come in. Right. Exactly. That's where the church should come in and help these folks that can't help themselves. Don't outsource it to the state because the state doesn't care about these people. Right. Exactly. You know, and it's a lot of what we saw with the early church, too. They worked on the fringes of society for, for the marginalized, the people that were not being, they couldn't take care of themselves, the, the people that were hungry. And that's what Todd Alvern was for back then. It was... It was, there was a widow tithe. There was a, a synagogue. The, the tithes and offering back then was to help those people. It was welfare, but it was a church welfare, which also meant that it was um, consensual. Right. It was exactly, that's, that's a key word right there is consensual. And a lot of, there's nothing that the state does with, with us is, that's consensual. Now people, I have to explain this to folks. Too. I said, you can pay as much tax as you want. Have a ball. Right. But if, if you agreed to it, nobody asked me if, for permission to take money out of my check. Right. Nobody did. So it's it's theft. Yeah. And if you don't pay, if you don't pay that taxes, if you don't file your taxes, what happens? They lock you up in a cage. Tell me that's not slavery and I'll eat your hat. Right. If you resist a law, the end is always being held at gunpoint and locked in a cage. If you if you refuse to be locked in a cage, then you're you're killed yep. on the spot. <laughs> yeah, they will murder you. Right. Which so you're you're saying that you, like any any law that exists, I always uh, you know like help 
talking to my nephews about statism and talking to my nephews about like self-reliance and stuff. If someone says like, you know, there, there's like an old, you know, the old timers, they'll say stuff like, well, there ought to be some kind of law against that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hold up now. What you're really <laughs> saying is that if this person doesn't agree to what you specifically want, that they should die. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that's because ultimately if they disagree with it and it's a law and then the, you know, the, the law enforcement tries to enforce this law and they refuse that enforcement, they refuse to be handcuffed and arrested, then they're going to get killed over, over parking on the wrong side of the street or parking in front of a fire hydrant or something. Yeah, and, and I, I heard somebody say this one time, too. If it's not worth somebody dying over, don't call the cops. Right. Because there's always a chance that they could. I, there was a story I've talked. It's been a few years back in Fort Worth, Texas. This lady was she had just got done playing video games with her nephew or something. And she'd taken a nap on the couch and her glass sliding door was open or was a little open. And somebody called the cops for a welfare check. She heard them in their in her backyard. She got up to go see what was going on. They thought she had a weapon and they killed her, shot her in her own home. That's tragedy. You know, and people, uh, people, that was one of the, that last things from me let go was my, you know, trusting in the cops and stuff. But when people talk to me about like an anarchist society, they say, well, we don't hate the cops. Like, you know, I, said, I don't hate them. And I'm not saying that the, 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 the security would not be a thing in a, in a, in a, in a society, but it would be agreed upon among the society and these folks will be beholden to the society, the, the community, and not to a crooked col- a politician. The, I interviewed Jeffrey Hand last week on his book on COVID-19, and he calls them policy enforcers. And I said, that's the best description because that's all they're doing. Right. Even if it's a bad law, they still do it. Right. But, you know, not to get too far in the weeds on that, but you're right. It's just, I've heard that so much. There's, there ought to be a law. And I've said it just in, just joking around, like, it should be a law against me having to go work on a Saturday afternoon when it's 70 degrees outside. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just something, something silly like that. But. So I've, I've tried to find this uh, Tolkien quote, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, that he, mm-hmm. uh, I've tried to find it. And it might have been something he said I, when I originally read it. It was in one of his letters to his son, Christopher. But I've tried to search for it and I can't find it again. So it might have been something that. The internet just made up and then put his picture on, you know, regardless, the quote itself is still legitimate. It said something to the effect of that good cops cannot exist because the job of being a cop itself is inherently evil. Yeah. Because governing other men is inherently evil. And I agree with that 1000%. I, I believe that that people, people who help others who can't help themselves, like you were saying before, like like strong men who could protect um, widows or could protect children or single moms or, or even other weaker men, people like that should exist. But the, the law enforcement that we have today is, is legitimately a gang. Exactly. 100%. I don't know if you ever listened to Tupac and he's one of my favorites and I love listening to some of his old interviews. And he, he said, we learned how to be gangsters from the government. He said the National Guard is a gang. That's pretty good. The government is a gang. So it's an, it's a, I call them the mafia all the time. But, you know, and you were talking about the founders, too, speaking of the police. It's in the Constitution. There will not be a standing army. We That's exactly what we have is a standing army. If you if you see how well armed these police officers are these days, come on. And then the people want to pass gun laws. And listen, I'm, and I told you this in messaging, too. I'm a pacifist. I have a pistol. I don't carry it because I don't want I, There's always that chance of using it. But I like to target target practice from time to time. But like that, that shooting in Nashville recently, recently, people are wanting gun laws. They want people to, to turn in their weapons, which if it's if it's voluntary, they want to turn in their stuff. Fine. But if the go- as long as the government exists to think that we need to t- lay down our weapons. Right. That's silly. Right. Have you ever read a history book? You know, and I'm not advocating for armed revolution. None of that stuff. A lot of people go to that route. I'm. I'm thinking we just need to start working through Jesus, doing what Jesus told us to. You know, a lot of peaceful um, resistance to the government has, has been proven to be very effective, very effective, like Martin Luther King. And, you know, with, with what he did back in the civil rights days, you know, right. that's that he was adamant about not putting hands on the state. Yeah. And they were getting abused out there on the street. I, but I saw, you know, some of them fought back and who, blame, who, who could blame them? You got to think about at some point, oh, I'm dying. 
It's like that guy that just got recently murdered here in Memphis from uh, from the cops. Yeah. He realized what was fixing to happen, and he took off. And I kept seeing this garbage online, and it pisses me off, too. When I see people, it's like, well, if he just wouldn't have resisted, he'd still be alive. No, he knew what they were fixing to do to him. That's why he was trying to save his own life. That's a that's another thing that really bothers me is the stop resisting movement. Like, these people who dude, I'm going to resist. Like, no, no. Yeah. If, if a man walks up to you without a badge and a gun, if a man walks up to you and says, get on the ground, I'm swinging immediately. <laughs> like no man is going to talk to me like that. Like respectfully, no. I grew up in Fraser, which is like, you know. I've heard about Fraser. I've never been to Fraser, but I've heard about Fraser. Yeah, that's North Memphis is my home. So that's a rough area, man. Dude, if you got sideways talking to somebody, dude, that you're swinging on the spot. There's no, there's no like let's talk this out. If you start disrespecting somebody, it's it's immediately you know you're you're in it, and it baffles me how cops there there's there's a few people in this jordan peterson actually said part of this was inspired jordan peterson said women can get away with saying whatever they want to to men because there's no threat of violence there's no like underlying threat of violence but i i extend that to like police as well because a cop can disrespect a man or do whatever they want to really and you can't do anything back and that's one thing that's another thing that's inherently wrong with uh law enforcement if a man walks up like I was out playing uh, basketball at this park. The park closes at 10 p.m., right? Public park, government paid for park. The lights paid for by tax dollars. So I, I get in my car and I'm sitting in my car. It's like 10.05. I get in my car to leave, right? Cranking my car and I'm just sitting down, drinking some water. And this cop pulls up behind me and he and he pulls up behind me so I, that I can't leave. And he gets out and he uh, hits my window and he says, roll your window down. And just that alone is like, can you imagine if some other man without a badge and without a gun came up to your window and, and demanded that you rolled your window down? Like, dude, you would get some, some people, some, like a lot of people in this world would punch you in the face for that. You know, it's, it's baffling to me how they just, their sense of respect for other men has gone out the window. Well, there's none there, you know, and there's something about that badge and that weapon that gives them some kind of, I don't know, I call it little man syndrome, I guess, but this, this safety complex. Well, I mentioned before, since we're talking about it, and I told Jeffrey this when I interviewed him last week, that was the last thing for me to let go of was my, was the cop thing. Okay. But when we saw George Floyd murdered right there on video, I was like, something's wrong here, man. I can't defend this. Because I would have been one of those guys saying, well, if he just would have, wouldn't resist, he'd still be alive. That Back in the day, I would say garbage like that. Then when we saw the lockdowns and how they were abusing people and shutting people's businesses down and enforcing these mandates weren't even laws. That was it for me. I was like, no, 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 no. I can't do this. I'm not supporting this garbage anymore. That was that was it for me. And now, now listen, I've got friends who are cops. I know them outside of their uniform and they're good people. But somebody told me this one time before too on the show, they said, but you don't know how they're behaving when they're at work. Right. And we don't know because if they're enforcing some kind of bad law, you know, and I know they take an oath to the United States constitution, but they got their fingers crossed because they don't follow that either. They probably don't know what the damn thing says. First of all, you know, and it's the same thing. We'll just follow orders. No, no, no. You're a human being and you're treating other human beings like shit. Stop doing it. Stop treating them like that. Yeah, I had a I had a guy that I was working with, uh, and I thought he was a cool dude, you know, when I was when I was just hanging out with him. And then one day he was he came over and he was like, Yeah, man, had the he was a cop and um at night work construction during the day. He said, uh, yeah, man, I had this guy last night. Cause he knew I did jujitsu and he was like, I had him in a Kimura. I put his hand on the back of his head. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, you, th you think that I'm happy about like, you think that I think that that's cool that you, you dislocated somebody's shoulder. Dude, dude probably was just like walking down. Of course I have a bias. I'm automatically assuming that the dude is innocent, but it's, it's crazy to me how the dude was bragging about hurting somebody. And I, I thought he was a cool dude. You know, I thought he was like uh, a buddy of mine. And then I was like, you know, that's, that's, that oh, it opened my eyes to what you were saying about you don't know how they they are with the batch, because you know when they when they don't have it, they could be like a normal person, and then once they put it on, they're like completely different. It changes them, you know. And I, 
I'm, I'm, I'm a little careful sometimes about talking about it, you know, out with folks because people are still sensitive to it. I know people who were married to cops and stuff and I'm friends with them on Facebook and this and that. But every once in a while, like that, just like this re- most recent thing in Memphis where they killed that dude, I was pretty outspoken about it. I said, it's time to stop supporting this, this stuff. We got to stop supporting it because the more you put your faith and trust into these folks, the more authority you're giving them, the worse it gets. Walk away from it and then and, and open your eyes to what's going on with these people because they're not. I, I, I posted something earlier on Facebook today. It was somebody had a, a tattoo. It was a, a cross. And it had the blue line across it. And it said, basically, when you, I can't remember exactly what it said, but basically when you don't understand who killed Jesus and you don't understand history. And I, this guy commented, he goes, well, no, that was the military that killed Jesus. And I said, well, the Roman the military was, and, and cops were one and the same then. And then today, I don't see any difference. To me, like I said, the, 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 the police officers right around today are militarized. I was talking to this guy at work about it, you know, when it was after the Nashville shooting. And he goes, well, they have to. And he's from West Memphis. He lives in West Memphis. Right. And he uh, in Arkansas. And he he said, well, they have to have all those weapons because people run around killing each other. I said, so we need those weapons, too. I said, I'm not I don't have them. I don't own an AR-15 or. But to say that they you, you want to take it out of their hands because the cops. Uh, he goes, well, I don't know, man. I, I, I grew up on the streets. I know. I know what's going on on the streets. You don't. I said, you're right. I, I did not grow up on the streets like you did. But to say that you want to disarm these folks because so the cops, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not down with that. I'm not down with that at all. I think it's very dangerous road to go down to start disarming people and just giving all the weapons to the government. That, that goes back to my, my self-reliance point that I don't, I don't depend on another man to secure my family. I don't depend on another man to take care of it. Like, I mean, I don't want to sound overly dramatic, but it, it makes me sick to think that uh, some people in this world depend on other men to help them in, in times of like, like learn to fight, learn to use a weapon. You know, like if something goes down, if somebody's in your backyard and your first reaction is call another man rather than handle it yourself. Like, dude, you got it. You got some, you got alpha up a little bit. You know? I'm not trying to sound like a meathead, but like, right. <laughs> no, like, no. Rely on yourself. You know, like there's a reason God gave you it, that God made you a man, be a man. Well, you know what I, and I told you this too in messaging. That's the one thing that really attracted me to, to jujitsu. And at this point, I'm still really bad at it. You know, I've learned a couple of things along the way. I've, I've, I actually got somebody to tap out in class the other day. I was pretty proud of that, but. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Do you know what it was? <laughs> I, I can't remember what it, I'm still learning the terminology, but um, one of them taught me this move. Basically, you get once you get inside control, somehow you you get their arm over their side and you get them in, a, in a kind of a choke. Okay. To where they can't get. I can't remember what it's called, man. But I, it, but I, I I tried it. I got it to work. Paper cutter. Maybe, man. I don't know. I'm so bad with the terminology as well. But I did get. But I I got it to work. Now I'm not saying I'll ever get it to work again <laughs> because you, oh you will just keep training you'll get yeah it. well I haven't been in a couple of weeks because my shoulder's wrecked right now and I I hadn't even been going to lift weights and the last couple of days I've been in the gym lifting weights I went Thursday night after work and then Friday evening I went and lifted weights and my shoulder man and, and I was you know Cheyenne and the, at the Breakfast Club class I was talking about we we're stretching one morning I said man I could hurt myself sleeping like I wake up when I sleep on my side my shoulders just jacked up i don't know what i've done to it and he said it might be in my neck he said and he, he had something similar and he would go to um he went to a chiropractor and they fixed him up and he had any more issues so i, I just probably need to check into that maybe see see if they can do something for me or otherwise because i don't want to talk to my doctor about it because i'm afraid she's gonna be like we're gonna need to do surgery i don't want to hear that i love cheyenne he's such a good dude and he is a real good dude man he uh i'll tell you what that's one thing i've loved so much about jujitsu too is just the the community and the, the people really want to see you succeed now there it's comp- you're competing with one another but at the same time the encouragement behind it I, I noticed that instantly when i first started and i was so impressed by that and that's why i, I wanted to talk to you some about that too because the I, I know i know folks in like i said in the in the in the anarchist communities that train jujitsu and it's kind of interesting how those two worlds kind of come together 
And I'm wondering, you, you talk about self-reliance. You've been talking about this, this whole show about self-reliance. And I think you mentioned that messaging too. That's what attracted you to jujitsu. You're, you're still a purple belt, right? Or have you yeah. advanced beyond it? Okay. Not so purple belt. How, how long have you been training? I started training in March of 2018. Five years. So what was it that other than the self-reliance, was, was there something else that attracted you to it? Because I, I, I think you mentioned this too when, when, when we first started talking about it when, in class that day. Or maybe somebody asked you when we were stretching. You said Joe Rogan. Yeah. Uh, and I kept listening to, I listen to Rogan a lot and I heard him, I hear him talking about it, but I always kind of dismissed it. And I got a friend, his name's Steve. You'll probably recognize his name from the discussion group, but he, uh, he said something. Uh, he's, he, he posted stuff about jujitsu and I commented on his post one morning. I got home from work and I was like, man, I just feel like I'm too old for that. He goes, how old are you? And I told him and he said, he goes, man, I started when I was 53 and I've been doing it for, three or four years now. And then he sent me a YouTube video, this 72 year old man that's a brown belt now. <laughs> and this guy's crawling all over people. So I was like, all right, no more excuses. That's what I got on. I was like, jujitsu near me on Google. And there was one here in, in Oakland, but it was, it was more karate, I think. And then the next one was the the one we're at now at the Memphis judo and jujitsu gym. Yeah. Uh, I started, so I started at 23 and I've always had the regret that I didn't start sooner. I've always like wished that I started as a kid, you know, and hope hopefully I could have been a world champion by now or something. But uh, like uh, also a quote from Joe Rogan is, yeah, but you did. Right. You know, you, you didn't. So put that behind you and just do what you can now. So, uh, so yeah, I started at 23 back in 2018. Uh, I think Joe, Joe Rogan was, was probably, 80% of my influence, I started looking up other stuff and researching it. And Henry Gracie and his brother, Hedon Gracie, uh, from Gracie University, those two guys, like, I really like them. And I really, like, Henry's such a good salesman, you know? So he sold jujitsu to me. And I started doing the uh, Gracie, Gracie University online stuff. And uh, I went to a tournament, never having been to a gym, uh, the Arkansas State Championships, as a white belt. And I got to the gold medal match where I was disqualified for reaping, which is some, I didn't even know what it was because I'd never been to a real gym, but I had just been watching those jujitsu videos online and, uh, rolling with my buddies. And I had, I had four, four or five friends that we would get together and just train on our carpet. And, uh, <laughs> it, we, we got some mad carpet birds, but that, uh, actually turned into my, my gym now in Mountain View, uh, which is brotherhood jujitsu. And, uh, we're, we're two years up and running in, in Mountain View that we just celebrated our two year anniversary. But yeah, went to the, went to the Arkansas state championships as a white belt, never having been to a real school and got the silver medal. It was really cool because it was like, I've always been, uh, naturally athletic, you know, not incredible athlete, like division one athlete or anything, but I've just been above average, I would say. Also, I, I consider myself an intellectual. So anybody that's that's pretty athletic and pretty smart. I think they're just going to love jiu-jitsu. Even, even the non-athletes, you know, anybody that's, that's good at solving puzzles or good at chess, intellectual people really enjoy jiu-jitsu, especially key jiu-jitsu. But, but being the, the athlete that I was as a teenager, I really enjoyed adding that to it. And then I, I moved to Memphis uh, March 2018 and joined a gym where I trained under... Uh, a guy who at the time I think was eight time black belt world champion. Now he's like an 11 time black belt world champion. Got a lot of controversy surrounding that guy, but, uh, he was my first jiu-jitsu coach. And then eventually I moved to Memphis and jiu-jitsu a few years later, which was last year. And my game was like shot up like crazy. Shout out uh, Donnie. Yeah, man. I, I, that's one thing I've noticed about that place is everybody there that's good. They're yeah. really good at this. Right. And they want to see people like me who are really bad at it, get better at it, you know? And I, there's one guy, he started training, they call it the breakfast club at our 5.30 a.m. class. I've been going with that because it works well with my work schedule. Bunch of dogs in there, man. Bunch of league there. Dude, this, and this, this one guy, he's new. He's got the longest legs <laughs> anybody I've ever seen. And he's so difficult to roll with. Are you talking about, are you talking about Mike? bald headed guy? Yeah, I think so. I think that's his name. Tall. Blue belt. Yeah, he's blue belt. Yeah, he 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 joined Memphis. We rolled an open mat, and uh, he he was like, "Dude, how are you getting so much better?" Because we used to train together at another gym, 
And he was like, how are you getting so much better, so much faster? I was like, man, I just train here every day. And so that's, so he switched, switched champs. That's what he told me. He said, I said, cause I, he was new and I, we were kind of talking a little bit before we started. And he goes, yeah, he said, he said, he's, he told me where he used to train at. He said, but he said, everybody from here is so good. He said, that's why he switched, he switched gyms. And it is, and it's true. I mean, you know, I feel like a, a fish out of water in there sometimes. Cause like I said, I'm still learning the terminology and work is finally slowing down a little bit. So it's going to, it's not going to be so demanding in my time. I can get back in there. I haven't been in a couple of weeks because of my shoulder. I might wait until Tuesday morning, see how I feel tomorrow, but most likely Tuesday morning, get back in there. But talking about that club, that, that class itself, dude. And I had never rolled before. Never. I just been to y'all, like your class and I go to maybe try to hit a Monday morning, a Monday 11 a.m. class and just do some, you know, go through some, uh, some training without ever doing any rolling. Right. Well, they do that every day there regardless. And they got one class one day. That's all you do is they call it marathon rolls. <laughs> and you want to talk about a workout buddy. Oh yeah. Holy cow, man. You do that for an hour. Right. There's no, there's no cardio like that. that you'll ever find in your life. There's a, there's a popular quote that says, ain't no shape like wrestling shape. And <laughs> which is, which is this, I mean, it's, it's essentially the same thing. Jiu-jitsu, wrestling, judo, it's all grappling, you, you know, using, using strength on strength. Oh, I know I've gotten stronger just by just by doing that too. Not not just you know lifting weights, but I know I've gotten stronger from it. They have, they do tell me that that I'm pretty good at my guard. Like one guy, <laughs> I can't remember his name. He's a brown belt in that class. He goes, you're, "We were it was no gi day, one of the no gi days." He goes, "You're white belt, right?" I said, "Yeah, I'm the whitest of the white belts." And he he said, and I was on top. And he was, I could, I could see what he was fixing. I, was, well, I didn't know what he was fixing to do, but he, I knew he was fixing to take over. And I ended up just on my back. He goes, why did you go to your back so quick? He said, aren't you more comfortable on top? I said, well, yeah. And he said, but why did you go to, why, then why did you go to your back so easily like that? I said, because that's what I know how to do is to, to, to guard, to defend myself. Yeah. And they've told me more than once that it's hard for them to get anything any kind of submission move on me because of my guard. Cause I guess, and, and that's all I really know right now is my strength. And that's what I try to overpower. And, and he even, he was joking, but like, he's joking the entire time. You probably know what I'm talking about. But he's joking the entire time. He's oh, he's going to try and strong man me. That's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it gets me in trouble more often than not, but I don't know what else to do. Like I'm, I know how to get into side control, but once I get into that position, I'm lost. And I don't like, I don't understand like, you know, how they do the, the, the points and stuff when you go to competition and stuff. I don't really understand the rules on that either. So trying to figure out, like, like I said, I got that one, that one submission, try learning more stuff from side controls, what I really need to work on. But when I, the videos that I watched, they said that the key thing for white belt is to just learn how to defend yourself and, and learn side control. Then everything else you just kind of learn along the way. I don't know if you, if you think that's true or not, but. I wouldn't say necessarily learn side control. I would say as a white belt, your goal is to understand when you're safe and when you're not safe. Um, if your if your elbow goes across your center line, you're you're probably not safe. If your elbow, you know, anytime your elbows get attached from your body, like anytime your elbows are are separated from your ribs, yeah, you're probably not in good shape. But that's just a general rule of thumb. Obviously, it's not it doesn't apply all the time, but Knowing, knowing the positions, knowing when you're safe and then knowing when to move. A lot of times guys, like once you start passing, they'll just kind of give up. The more advanced people you'll see, they, they never stop moving until they get into a position that they want to be. There was a, it was one of the no-gi days, I think. And we were, we were rolling. It was the last 30 minutes of the class. And I can't remember the guy's name. I'm horrible with names, but if I keep going, I'll, I'll, I remember some of their names, but like, I was on the bottom, but I kept trying to get my legs wrapped around this guy. <laughs> and he kept, we were just doing circles. Like we were just spinning on the mat. <laughs> and you were talking about like, um, carpet burn when you, when your buddies were rolling on the carpet. When I, I, that's one thing I noticed immediately was the mat burns that I get on my feet. Oh, yeah. And I remember like I went the one class and then the next class, like, you know, Brandon in, in that in breakfast club class too. He said, um, yeah, yeah. He said, He's the one that kept encouraging me to come, come and come. And, you know, and so he's really been kind of pushing me. But um, he said, yeah, it's the first time he's ever rolled. And everybody's like, really? And I was like, yeah. And then I, the next day, the next morning, I went, I went, I said, yeah, I've got all these weird sores on the top of my feet now, too. And they said, oh, yeah, those will go away. 
I don't know if, you, if, you're, if your feet just get calloused up enough to where you just don't get sores anymore or not. But. I, I don't, I'm not sure about that. I thought of, that's still a, the debate I have with myself because all the, all the bro science guys are like, yeah, bro, you just, yeah, bro, you just get calluses, bro. You're good. But, <laughs> but, but, uh, I think it's partially due to learning, maybe not learning, but you get mat burn in a spot and you start protecting that spot a little more. And so your body like moves without putting that spot on the mat, maybe. Cause I still get mat burn occasionally, but it's not how it was when I first started. So I think you just learn to not get it, if that makes sense. Yeah. But like, like, uh, inherently, you know, not, it's not a, a conscious thought. Are you still teaching the, uh, the Friday morning class? So I don't teach the Friday morning class anymore, but I'm still teaching the teens class every weeknight. So Monday through Friday, I'm teaching six to seven. Yeah, I was just curious because with work slowing down, I'm just trying to get back in there maybe some Friday mornings or even Friday evenings. I know they got a Friday. They have like a, a beginner's class on Friday evening, I think, too. Yeah. It's, I went one Friday night a long, not long after I started, and I walked in, and I'm used to being in that one area where, where we normally train at. Yeah. And there were kids everywhere. I'm like, what is it? Am I, am I here at the wrong time? And there were kids everywhere. Yeah. So I'm not fixing to roll with a bunch of kids. <laughs> they were tiny yeah, kids yeah. too. And I'm like, and then uh, Brooke's like, she goes, no, you're going to be back there in, the, in that room back there. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I said, I don't care how good these kids are at jujitsu. I'm going to pick them up, throw them across the room. Because <laughs> I know I'm stronger than them. <laughs> And you were talking about you wishing you'd started when you were earlier. I feel the same way. But like you said, Joe Rogan, well, you didn't. Well, I, anybody like I, my brother's got a couple of kids and I've, I've told him, I said, get them into jujitsu. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Do it now. And I, and I see kids more and more and more kids signing up for jujitsu. And I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Because it's going to te- it's going to teach them discipline. It's going to teach them how to defend themselves. It's going to keep them in shape and it's going to keep them off the streets. You know, and I I think that's so key. I think that's so key. And that's one thing that attracted me to jujitsu is because I was as a pacifist now. And, you know, people have their own ideas about pacifism. Maybe some people are like, well, you, you can't be training jujitsu if you're a pacifist. And I'm like, I don't believe that because jujitsu, what attracted me to it was you can, you're learning how to defend yourself without killing somebody. Right. And if that's the go-to is pick up a pistol. And I'm not willing to do that anymore. So I want, but I also understand living in this area that you got to keep your head on a swivel sometimes too. And, and you got to get to a point where you can defend yourself or others without killing in the process. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is the only art where, well, maybe not the only art, but it's certainly the most popular and most effective art that's recognized that you can learn this art and not punch people in the face and win a fight. This also relates back to our police discussion we was having that when I was telling you what I thought that what was important for white belts is learning when you know when you're safe and when you're not safe. I think that's incredibly important for law enforcement. Um, when we were when we were talking about that, I looked this up. It was on the it's News Nation now says that police use of force dropped thirty seven percent and injuries to suspects dropped forty four percent and officer injuries dropped forty twenty five percent according to Department of Statistics. So not only does jujitsu teach you when you're safe and when you're not safe, but it teaches you like for law law enforcement purposes, it would teach you how to control someone without hurt. And if a man was to say something slick to me or, you know, maybe, maybe insult me, then I can let it go. You know, I can be like, Hey, whatever. Have a good day, buddy. If he starts, you know, messing with my family, then that's a different story. But there's this like cliche in, in jujitsu where it's like, but if your drunk uncle at the Thanksgiving party is like getting a little too loud, you don't want to use like Taekwondo and kick him in the face and break his nose. You don't want to use your boxing to like knock him unconscious and give him brain damage. <laughs> if you just want to, if like he's putting his hands on people and roughing people up and you just want to put him to sleep and, you know, him wake up fine a minute later and you just put him to sleep. No big deal. Like in my mind, it's, it's so much different than hitting somebody, right? Hitting somebody is like, that's when you want to hurt somebody. You know, you got, you got to re- reserve that time for punching and kicking for like a time when you really want to hurt somebody. Like if you're in a fight for your life and if you learn jujitsu, then you are capable of using 
grappling of using your body and their body, momentum and leverage to stop a fight without causing them harm. Like, like the fight can be over, completely over. They're not awake or you use like pain compliance, like a, like an arm bar or something. And, and the fight can be over without ever injuring a person. You know what I mean? I think that that's a beautiful part of jujitsu. Yeah, I, I agree and too. You know, I don't, there's it's the the popularity with jujitsu is, is growing too. Yeah, for sure. And Rogan was talking about something on his show. One of the Gracies, I, I guess it was in New York. It was like a, around a subway or something. You may have seen this too, where this guy attacked him, but he didn't know who he was attacking. And this this Gracie, I can't remember which one it was, but he got him in this submission, or he choked him out. I guess got him, got him just to a point where he couldn't. He made him less mobile basically the guy the, he was and, and rogan's like you just don't know these days anymore if you if you have this idea of attacking somebody you don't know what they know yeah so that, that was uh henzo henzo gracie okay uh he was he was one of or he not one of he was donaher's coach uh john donaher and mm-hmm. john donaher is gord ryan's coach which is the grappler on the planet but henzo henzo's 56 and like some dude just runs up and assaults him in a subway and at 56 years old, Enzo is perfectly capable, you know, handling himself. And if, if he chose, like, that's another thing about jujitsu is you get to choose how the day ends. You know, you get to choose if that person leaves unconscious, if that person doesn't ever walk again, if that person has broken facial pro like, you, you get to choose whether it's a peaceful day or whether it's a very violent day. And that's another thing that I love. It's just it's the confidence in knowing that like it's that self-reliance thing. Like at the end of the day, what happens is in my hands. It's in my control. And I train, I train every day to make sure that somebody's strength or size, which I'm pretty, I fight at heavyweight. I weigh like 220. So I'm a pretty big dude anyway. But to know that I'm training every single day to do everything that I can to be as well-prepared and well-equipped as I possibly can be so that at the end of the day, if something happens and my family is involved, I get to choose how that day is. And I think that's great. I think that's exactly what's what's so beautiful about just that that particular martial art. I mean, I would have never even imagined doing something like this before. But for some reason, it caught my attention and then starting to understand that, you know, just want to be able to defend myself or others without killing people. I was like, OK, this makes sense. And I think I had to call my mom because <laughs> and I didn't know this about her, but my mom watches jujitsu. I didn't know that. I didn't know that she enjoys watching the matches and stuff. And I was like, y'all don't think I've gone crazy. She goes, no, I think it's great. She goes, I, she goes, I think it's great because I love jujitsu. And I didn't know that mom watched jujitsu. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. How, how did she watch it? She just watched it on YouTube or something? I guess. I, I honestly don't know. She's never watched it whenever I've been visiting. So I don't know if she's playing on her phone and watching watching uh, jujitsu matches or not. I don't know. But it's uh, it, it was it was surprising to me. She goes, no, I don't think you're crazy. She goes, I think it's great. She's been on the, them Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy. Uh, that guy's pretty funny. He, he talks about it. I don't know if he trains anymore, though. Joe? I'm pretty sure Joe does. Does he still train jujitsu? I thought maybe he stopped. He said something the other day, like he just he's hurt all the time or something. Like I'm not certain, but I, I don't think that he would ever quit. He seems like the guy that he would never, uh, never let his injuries overcome him. You know. Hey, folks, Craig here, and I'd like to let y'all know we are always looking for writers to contribute to our blog. I don't care if you have any experience or not. Two or three of our contributors had no prior experience writing, and it turns out they have a real knack for it. Our project coordinator helps them put the articles together, and she publishes them on our website and Facebook page, and you will also have the option to come on the show and go more in-depth about your article. So if you like what we're doing at The Bad Roman and would like to try your hand at writing, then send us an email at thebadromanpodcast at gmail.com. We're having a blast with this project, and we would love for you to join us in helping promote it. Now back to the show. Well, speaking of uh, not knowing who you're attacking, uh, my boss at work, he uh, he likes to show me jujitsu videos that he comes across on TikTok or on Instagram or something. And 
he showed me one, this dude, I guess he was a just a bodybuilder. And he walked in this jujitsu gym. I thought maybe it was fake, but it doesn't look fake because the dude was bleeding at the end. But he brushed this black belt, just went went straight for him. And the guy just pulverized him. And the dude was a big guy. He was a big guy, pretty solid. And then the next thing you know, one of the girls jumps on him. <laughs> and this girl, this girl chokes him out and unconscious. Like she didn't realize that she did that, that she choked him out. Like he was out. And they had to pull her off of him. And I'm like, you, you, that's another thing, too. I, you, these girls, that the, the ladies that train there, too, man, you got to watch yourself. When they're pretty they're pretty uh, scrappy themselves, too. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, there's a there's a big uh, push for I think it's due to the transgender thing. Um, how like the guys will go into women's sports and they'll call themselves women. Right. And they'll try to dominate these sports. And I think because of that, there's a lot of people on the internet who are pushing back and uh, trying to emphasize the difference between men and women athletes. And so they, because of that uh, hard pushback, they, I don't know what the best word is, they they ignore that women can be tough almost. But dude, when I was when I started jujitsu, I was 23. I was 205 pounds. And I'm at, you know, I mean, you've seen me, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty muscular. I'm not like I'm bodybuilder looking, but I'm, I'm, I'm no slouch, you know, I'm not a, a obese 205 pounder. Right. But, uh, dude, a 14 year old girl was whooping my butt <laughs> when I, I'm not even kidding. I remember that girl's face to this day and her, her older sister kicked my butt and her dad kicked my butt. Her, her dad kicked my butt so bad. He, I felt like he broke my neck, dude. <laughs> Like my neck was sore for two weeks from just one move that he did. And dude, I got hooked. I was like, I will, dude, I will do everything that I can to make sure. And then there was another, uh, another guy there too, who was also 14 and he was kicking my butt. He was just, he is so fast getting around, getting on my back and choking me. And I was like, dude, this is ridiculous. They both weighed maximum 140 pounds. They was probably 130. And I, I had 70, 80 pounds on them. And dude, they were just destroying me but my point to that is is these these people on the internet will like they'll say things like if you see like a guy and a girl grappling they'll say oh this this guy he wasn't really he wasn't really going all out or he wasn't really trying like no bro trust me there's some girls in this world that will wear the average dude out like wear them out one of my one of my best friends taylee she's a blue belt when she's first time i ever rolled with her we had a, a I was doing a seminar at Mountain View, and it was like the opening to our brotherhood jiu-jitsu. She came up there, and uh, and she rolled, and I was like, "Man, this girl! She was a she did ballet, and I guess that's where she got all her strength from." But she, we rolled, and I was like, "This is the strongest female that I've ever rolled with." Man, she, we went. I was, I started teaching her jiu-jitsu. She got, she got addicted. Started training every day. She would come up uh, on her on her lunch breaks and train on her lunch breaks and she started going to tournaments and started winning. And now she's down here. She moved to Memphis to do jujitsu and she's still killing it. Still doing great. But what's crazy is I've met since I met her, I moved to Memphis to go jujitsu. I've met several other women that I thought, daggum, this is like the strongest female that I've ever rolled with. And Brooke's another one, dude. If I, I don't know if you ever rolled with Brooke. No, but I've watched her roll, but she is, Unreal. There is nobody on this planet that can convince me that Brooke could not whoop a grown man. <laughs> and like, she's not very big. No, she's probably 130, 135 maybe. But it's muscle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's Jack. Dude, she was, she, her, Taylor, the, the women at our gym, bro, I promise, man, they, they would wear the average guy. I wouldn't mess with them. I wouldn't mess with any of them, to be honest with you. And I, I told, I'm joking around, but... I told somebody one time, I said, yeah, I just go there so I get beat up by uh, girls and, and toddlers. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what happens, you know. But it's at the same time, it's it's one of those things, you know, because I'm pretty competitive anyway. When I know that I've been taken, when I've been taken over, it's not something that hurts my ego either. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's not, it's not a, it's not, it does not damage my ego to get to where I have to tap out. That's one thing that's something that was stressed to me in the very beginning. 
do not be afraid to tap out. Always tap out if you feel like you're in danger. Right. And they're very careful there. What I love about it, they're very careful there about making sure everybody's safe. Yeah. And not being injured. You know, I told you that that one day in one of your classes that Friday morning, I've hurt myself twice during jujitsu, not grappling, but during stretching or during <laughs> during warm ups. You remember I pulled my hamstring. Yeah. Just picking my leg up and I had bruising all the way down to my my ankle from it. Yeah. And then I had hurt my shoulder when just doing like a tumble, trying to learn that. And I think that's where I'm still having the, the shoulder issues from. But I mentioned that when we were stretching at the, during the breakfast club. I said, I, I said, the only times I've been hurt in here is whenever during warmups. And they're like, yeah, you don't want to go hard during warmups. <laughs> yeah, we was doing the uh, the Frankenstein kicks, the kicking your, like Osoto kicks, kicking your leg up real high in the front, swinging all the way through. Yeah, and I, it, I just think I just... I'm real careful. Like when we, we do that any anymore, when I'm doing that anymore during warmups, I'm real careful about it. Like I don't swing my leg up as high as I can. So, you know, I think that's what I did. Like I just went, pick my leg up and I just did it real quick and I felt pop. I was like, dang, that can't be good. You know, I made it through class, but it, it was so tight. It was a knot in it. And then, you know, two or three days later, I had all this bruising and stuff from it. It was every once in a while, I can still feel it. It's not, not that big a deal anymore, but every once in a while, I can still feel like, you know, some tightness in that area. But, I think it's just reminded me, take it easy. I was wanting to talk to you about uh, maybe maybe getting some No King But Christ uh, rash guards. Dude, that would be so awesome. And uh, I would I would want to compete, like like wear the wear the logo on my rash guard when I competed, or maybe on the, on my gi or something. Well, somebody messaged me the other day. He, I don't know where he lives, but he trains um, jujitsu, and he asked me if it'd be okay to use the Bad Roman uh, brand on his gi. And I was like, absolutely, man. I said, send me a picture when you do it. He goes, I just want to make sure before, I don't know if that's what you're talking about. Or if you're just talking about like the Jesus, like my tattoo, the Jesus fish with the anarchy symbol or. I like the, I like the bad Roman one. That's pretty cool. Dude, do it. Have a ball with it. I think that'd be awesome. I would actually thought about doing that too. You know, like if I get, if I ever get any better, you know, and if I ever do decide to compete, I don't know if I'm going to get that far into it or not, but if I ever do, I, I thought about doing something like that with a gi. Get like the bad Roman logo put on it. I don't know who would do that though. How, who would, who would we go to to do that? Uh, there's several different ones. Uh, probably Fuji, Fuji Sports. I got like I've I've been talking to them about doing some rash guards and stuff for uh, Brotherhood in my gym in Arkansas. That would be totally cool, man. Yeah, let's do that. Um, and I know the guy that listens to the show who messaged me, and if maybe we can we can hook him up too if he's wanting to do it. Um, that would be awesome. I think that'd be cool to have like some bad Roman rash guards and yeah, geese for sure. I mean, it promotes the project. Hell, I'm all about that. Yeah, get the word about out about the project. Let's do it. And then I think it'd be cool to just to because to me, just the no king but Christ thing is just if it sparks a conversation to get us into that point where what do you mean no king but Christ? That means that I already have a king. I don't need a Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Or George Bush, I have a king. He's the best king ever. Right. Just to get that conversation going with anybody, even if it's just one person, man, I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I agree with you. I think a, a lot of the the hate for anarchism is in the word. Uh, I think the philosophy of anarchism, from what I found, the philosophy of anarchism is it like there's two two bad responses that I get. Number one, it's oh well, if we had anarchy, people would just run the streets and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, people, people don't run the streets shooting people because there's laws. People don't run the streets shooting people because they're good people. Like I don't go out and kill people because it's illegal. I don't, it, I, I don't kill people because I'm a good person. <laughs> right. Like I'm not going to automatically become the Joker. If the, the laws, if laws are abolished, even still, it's still wrong to violate someone's life, liberty, and property. Mm-hmm. And like I, I, the, the, the backlash against anarchy is usually just what people think anarchy is. In my perspective, anarchy is just choice. It's the ability to choose what you want to do. It's like, like I said, self-reliance. It's if I choose to do this, then that's what I'm choosing to do. I'm not forced to do something by another man with the threat of being locked in the cage. Well, you know, and the, and the word anarchy, too, and I agree with you. The, the word anarchy, it was said to me, too, when we were setting up the No King But Christ Network, we've got all these different content creators on there. 
when we were talking to uh, Peter Rollo from Rival Nations. I don't know if you're if you're familiar with with that website, but he's got some fantastic stuff about No King but Christ. You know that he writes. He's, he's his blog, but he goes, "I'm not going to say I'm not an anarchist." He said, "But the word has been culturally hijacked these days." Right. And he's absolutely right. And so I'm, I'll use it. I used to use it all the time because it, it was a buzzword and it would start a conversation. But when you use it, people think you're one guy's like, so you're just going to go fight the government. I said, no, actually, I just want them to leave me alone. Right. That's all I want. I said, but when, when people hear anarchy, they think Antifa or they think we're going out there, you know, throwing Molotov cocktails and burning down buildings. So that's not anarchy. Right. And it was mentioned one time on the show too. It's in our best interest to get along with one another. And 99% of our lives, we live as anarchists. It's that 1% where the state gets involved right. and they screw it all up. So before I let you go, I mean, I want to kind of touch back on the community side of, of jujitsu and what you see, because like I said, that's one thing I noticed immediately when I, when I first started. The, the encouragement, when I, when I envision a, a, a anarchist society, I, I envision people working together to help benefit one another and themselves. And that's what I see with jujitsu. Do you agree with that? Is that something you see with jujitsu? Because I saw it immediately and I don't know. You've been like you've been doing it since 2018. I just started last year. I still see that. And I, st- I see the, the, the brotherhood, and the sisterhood and the community that's involved with all this. And it, it just reminds me of what or it makes me think of what I, when I envision an anarchist society, that's what I would see. The encouragement, you know, to help one another, the encouraging your fellow man and fellow woman to to do better, to be better, to and to to help people succeed. Do you do you agree with that, or is it just me in my own head? No, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. So when you initially asked me what I was thinking, your question was was Do you think that people that do jujitsu are more likely to be libertarians or anarchists? And my initial response was no, because I don't know many other people who ascribe to anarchist beliefs. But since then, I've started noticing, like I've started trying to pay attention. And almost everybody holds to, almost everybody holds to this idea of decentralization. Almost everybody holds to this idea of individualism and self-reliance. And if you talk to almost anybody that goes to the, like anybody who trains a lot, right? Consistently that jujitsu is a big part of their life. You'll see that most of them are very individualistic. They're very, not to say that they're against community in ter- individualistic in terms of, of government. Like they, they don't need help from other people. They're, they're good. They got their house in order. They're good stewards of the things that they own. They're usually intellectual people. Most people that train jujitsu here I've found are very I don't want to say conservative because that's kind of got a bad rap over the the last few years but but in the traditional sense of the word conservative they're very very like socially conservative they hold a lot of traditional values I know uh, several several people who are even like Torah observant people like there's a lot of like very traditional people that I've found through jujitsu now you could say that that's because the only people I meet are from jujitsu, you know, <laughs> but, but the people who stick it out, you know, the people who come and go, those are, those are different people, all shapes and sizes, all colors, black, white, female, male, whatever. But the people who stick it out are often the ones who desire self-reliance. It's the people who like they're intellectual enough to know that they are responsible for themselves. And through that, I've, I've opened up conversations about anarchism and they're like, like you said, 99% open to the idea. The, the only thing that they'll, they'll say is they'll say, well, you know, if the government's not in control, then somebody else will be controlled. Then it's just the next gang to rise up. So, you know, they'll, They'll respond with that, so they're not completely anarchists, but they're ninety nine percent anarchists. I would say they're they're mostly libertarian. What what I've noticed too, just in conversations, even without even talking about anarchy to any of them, but just in just in general conversation about when it comes to stuff. I remember we we, we mentioned Cheyenne earlier. I remember talking to him when I first started. Like I'm I'm highly claustrophobic, so the idea of of being in a position where I can't 
where I can't breathe. Not not necessarily being choked out, but just in in close counter or close quarters. You know what I mean? Like it it kind of freaks me out still a little bit. And I was talking to Brooke when I first started, and she said she there was somebody that was training there before, and she was claustrophobic as well. But she worked her way out of it through jujitsu. Now she got hurt and missed a year from training, and then she when she got back to training, she was claustrophobic again. And I mentioned that to my doctor, but I remember talking to Cheyenne a little bit about it too. And he said, and I said, the, when the whole mask thing was going on at the time, I said, I couldn't even wear a mask. And people were, I'd get screamed at, especially in Memphis. Memphis was really weird about it. And he goes, well, not to use a, a four letter word, but he said, maybe they should mind their own damn business. And when I, just in these conversations with them, I think some of these folks are probably anarchists without them knowing that they're anarchists. Right. Yeah, I agree. Like they don't know how to use the, the, the word. Like you and I understand what the word is, but I think they probably, they, that I'm not, I don't know everybody there, but I think a lot of them are probably anarchists without knowing just in conversation with Brandon. He, and like, if he sees me post something on Facebook about stuff and just the stuff, his comments, I think that dude's an anarchist, but he doesn't ever say it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he just, just just in the stuff that he says, I'm like, I think this guy's an anarchist, but I haven't really ever talked to him about it. And if he if he happens to listen to the show, I'd like to talk to him about it a little bit. <laughs> so that's one thing I've noticed, too, with the with the with everybody there. I think the uh, the vast majority of them probably are anarchists without even knowing that at least libertarian. They got to get over that that hump to anarchy at some point. <laughs> we pull them to the dark side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pull them over here to, to be a bad Roman with us. Right. Man, do you got anything you want to plug? I know you got your gym there in Arkansas. You can tell folks where they can find that and plug Memphis Judo and Jiu Jitsu as well. Or anything else you want to plug, you know, we can do that and we'll add to the show notes as well. Uh, so I got, I got an awesome church that I go to, Fountain Memphis. Uh, it's a Pentecostal church in, in Bartlett. So if anybody needs a home church that's around here, I'd, I'd love to have you. I got my Brotherhood Jiu Jitsu GM in Mountain View, Arkansas. And of course, Memphis Judo and Jiu Jitsu, uh, where I, teach and train at just to clarify you know i should have said this at the beginning probably but none of none of none of my views reflect memphis judo and jiu-jitsu right and as a as a coach you know i got to be careful of things i say but i wanted to be uh open here and express everything i believed in but uh obviously that's not representative of the gm or other coaches Right, 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 right. No, I think anybody listening will understand that. And, if, and when we share this and publish this, and you, if you share it yourself, you know, we've got a lot of mutual friends now, you know, since, since I started doing this, a lot of the same folks that you're friends with on Facebook, I'm friends as well. So they, they hear to see Tyler Rose come on the show, they might be interested in listening to. So yeah, it's not representative of the gym. It's just something, these are ideas of, of mine and Tyler's. So, oh, one thing you, uh, before I let you go, you, you've invited me to your church. And you told me that day when we first started talking about this after we got done with class, and you said um, you said it's a Pentecostal church. I've had I've been to Pentecostal churches, but I don't know. I'm a little uneasy because I've been to one. I don't know if it's a, it was a United Pentecostal church. It was just really strange to me. But I've been to like an Assembly of God church, and it wasn't. I don't know. It was maybe like a Baptist church I'm used to, you know what I'm saying? So I don't, there's, there, there's different flavors of Pentecostalism, but I, I mean, I'd love to come visit, see what y'all are all about. If I ever decide to get back into church, I've been really kind of burned on the idea of church recently. So not that I'm losing my Christianity or my belief, my faith. I just, a lot of the stuff I see in churches with statism, like if I walk into a church and I see a flag on the stage, I'm walking right back out, you know, stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So I just, I just, I'll, maybe I'll just come visit and, We'll go from there, but I, you know, it'd be kind of cool to get to go to church with somebody I know. Yeah, luckily, luckily, I, f- I found a church that does not involve state worship. Um, there are a few people that might get up and speak every now and then, and they'll they'll have some definitely status things to say. But uh, as a whole, you're going to get that anywhere, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you're not going to avoid that. But but I think that's just that's just due to people's misunderstanding. I don't. I think they're just ignorant. I don't think that they're evil if that makes sense oh yeah definitely i think and, and ignorance is not bad it just means they don't know right but in the same way that anarchism has a you know it has a meaning to certain people that's completely different to others pentecostalism is the same way so some people might hear pentecostal and the, their first image is like kentucky snake handling churches <laughs> and then and then other people hear pentecostal and they hear like 
there's a Pentecostal church in uh, Australia that's real popular. Hillsong. I think Hillsong's Pentecostal. And uh, and then other people here, Pente- like me, hear Pentecostal, and it just sounds like home. If you experience lively worship, people participating in worship and uh, and participating when when the, the sermon is is being preached, that's pretty much the only difference is 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 very active participation. That's cool. I mean, I can get down with that. I I, I do like Hillsong. I, I'm familiar with some of their music. They got some really good stuff. <laughs> All right, buddy. I'm gonna, we've gone a little over an hour now. And I've been looking forward to this conversation. I'm going to try and get this out as soon as possible because I think it's been cool. And I think it's be fun for folks who follow the Bad Roman Project who are involved in jujitsu to get to hear somebody who's got a pretty good understanding of the of the art. And and I've, I've told folks that I'm going to get you on the show and they're looking forward to hearing it. So Awesome. I'm glad to be a part. Yeah, man. Let me know us also about that whole rash guard thing. With whatever we need to send, if you need something from us, I can talk to our producer. And all right, buddy, I'm gonna talk to you soon, and I hope to get to see you soon. I haven't seen you in quite a bit because our schedules are so much different. I've been hitting that very early morning class, but hopefully, one of these days we'll run around and you can teach me a few things again. I'm looking forward to it, man. All right, see you soon. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about The Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com.